Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics nobody circles the wagons quite like the national football league upsets galore the previous week in football no one was safe in college football they keep rolling out these college football rankings on tuesday nights and people keep getting pissed about them and then the national basketball association looks like the warriors are going to go on another three-peat and for the Lakers, God only knows for our Los Angeles Lakers, what's up, what's down, who they should get rid of, what they should do to fix things. But they are a nice talking point in the NBA. And these poor souls that have been long playing the referees and the officials, leaning into guys to draw fouls, not no more this year, and the numbers show it, and so do their post-game press conference interviews saying, you know, I'm not quite liking what's going on. Yeah, imagine that. All the ways you were beating the system aren't working anymore, and it's showing on the offensive numbers, so we could get into all that. But as we mentioned to start the show, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League. As we record this show, Al is glued to his TV for his Baltimore Ravens, and a riveting 6-3 score here late in the third. So we'll be talking about this as it unfolds for the rest of the show. Sweet mother of mercy. I haven't even bothered turning it on yet because there hasn't been anything worth turning on for. So we'll see if the Ravens can pull that out. But as we mentioned, last week was wild. I don't know if something got into the water or what the case was, but no matter where you were in the rankings... You could have lost last week, sometimes in embarrassingly fashion. I don't want to say that, say, the Bills losing to the Jaguars 9-6 to was embarrassing, but it was. I don't want to say that the Cowboys not scoring against the Broncos till garbage time late in the fourth quarter, getting blown out and losing 30-16 to was embarrassing, but it was. I don't want to say that the Raiders losing to the Giants was embarrassing, but it kind of was. There were some ugly games last week, and just when you think you know everything that's going to happen in the NFL, we talk about this all the time, just when you think you get a good feel for a team like, say, the Los Angeles Rams, and then Stafford starts playing like he's still with the Detroit Lions, you realize you know nothing. It doesn't matter what week we're in. It doesn't matter that it's week nine, and you think, well, here we go. We're halfway through the season. We know who's who and what's what you don't in the national football league. And I guess that's why people enjoy it. So it's hard to even say to you, what did you learn from this past week's games? Who can we trust? We like doing that on this show. 
Who do we trust at this point? And a lot of people slapped us in the face team-wise, just like the Ravens are doing now, for teams that we can trust and say, yes, they're going to be able to not only make the postseason, but make a deep run. Last week really slapped that in the face for us. That's the only way you can really put it. Well, Johnny, first of all, before we get to any of the National Football League, it is Veterans Day. So we want to send our thoughts and our thanks to all our veterans for keeping us safe, for their incredible hard work and dedication. And we wouldn't be here and be safe if it weren't for them. So we thank each and every one of them. we wouldn't be here without you. It's as simple as that. On to the matter at hand. In the words of Sergeant Schultz, look it up, Hogan Sears, I know nothing. We know nothing. Why do we know nothing? Because it's the National Football League. And kudos to my partner, the new report, who shockingly to me, when we made our preseason predictions, selected Cliff Kingsbury, and the Go-Go Cardinals as a playoff team. And right now, that looks like the only team we can trust. They took on San Francisco, the incredibly highly thought of 49ers, and their wonderful overrated coach, uh, Flyboy Shanahan, with their backup quarterback and absolutely obliterated them. And they have the best record in the league. They are right now the only team, believe it or not, the Arizona Cardinals, that you can remotely trust. The Bills, a a stunning loss. Not just a loss, but a loss when they didn't score. Okay, 21-17, you know, 24-23, they didn't score. Couldn't score against the Jags. And then you have the Cowgirls. Well, Dak is back. They had the miraculous win, coop to coop. They're playing your squad, the Broncos, who just cashed in their chips by sending Von Miller to the Rams, even though their season was far from over. Their record. (laughs) They had, when did they get their first first down? When did did Dallas get their first? Well, what did they have? Eight yards in the the third quarter, in the fourth quarter? Uh, It was amazing. The worst game of Dak's career. The Broncos are up 30 to nothing. They absolutely blow the Cowboys out on the way to a total destruction of Dallas. And, well, the the Rams must be the best team. And they get beaten and flogged by the Tennessee Titans without their best player, as Derrick Henry is out for the season. So you, you just go figure. Go figure. Where do you go? Uh, Tampa coming off the loss against New Orleans without a quarterback. Go figure. Yeah, my Ravens won, but they had to struggle and come from a, a huge deficit against Minnesota. And so Mark Jackson just got sacked again. They are literally going backwards against the Dolphins. This looks like the no-name defense. John Shar- Harbaugh shaking his head. It looks like they're rushing nine, and the Ravens have got five guys in their protect. It is literally a jailbreak on every pass. They are in a nightmare of a game against the hideous Miami Dolphins. Lamar can't stand up on the turf down there. Every time somebody takes a step on the Ravens, they slip and fall. 
it is just a nightmare once again for the Ravens, who just can't seem to have an easy game. Can't seem to have one easy game. And it was against the ball team, the go-go Chargers. Everything else for the Ravens has been a struggle, no matter who they play, up to or down to the level of their competition. And right now they're in a heap of trouble, even though they're down a field goal. They're going nowhere offensively. Nowhere. And right now, nobody in the National Football League is going anywhere as a favorite, with the exception of the Cardinals. Just don't know where to look. And the Rams today made a big move. After, well, their second big move, because they went and got your guy, they brought in the cancer. They brought in the tumor. After their downfield threat to Sean Jackson, headed for higher ground, they go out and they bring in who? Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. Now, granted, it's Los Angeles. So who knows what goes on? It's Tinseltown. And he probably can't make a big splash there because it's L.A. Lakers, Dodgers, USC, Rams, an afterthought by a lot of people. So maybe no matter what he does there, it won't matter. Maybe it just won't matter in L.A. That's all I can figure because this guy has shown that everywhere he goes, he's a headache when he can play. And most of the time now he can't play. So Maybe it'll wind up being a good fit because he's a third option, and that's all he can be. And he's in a place where it really doesn't matter a lot. Of a lot. And Flyboy McVeigh, maybe he can make something out of him. You know, another wizard, uh, you know, another boy genius who got their heads handed to him last week against the uh, against the Tennessee Titans. Because right now the National Football League is a state of disarray, except for the Arizona Cardinals. You have no idea what's going to happen on any given Sunday. It is hysterical as, as the Dolphins go down the field and they're going to upset the Ravens. Simple as that. They're absolutely going to win this game. The Ravens are in huge, huge trouble. But I, I just, you know, you asked me who is going to go to the Super Bowl. I, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. The best two teams right now are Arizona and Tampa Bay. It's as simple as that. You know, you don't want to take one game and completely throw everything that you've thought out of proportion, but there's so many teams that we deem good, and rightly so, or very good, and rightly so, and there's just some weeks where they do so many stupid things, and it's mind-boggling that they do these things. One of the teams in particular that we've been harping on for years now doing this show is the Kansas City Chiefs and the cockiness in which they carry themselves. They have one Super Bowl win, a couple appearances, AFC championships. We get it. Wonderful, great Patrick Mahomes. But they do stupid shit. And Patrick Mahomes does stupid shit. And now... The decisions that he makes that are stupid and risky aren't working like they have the past couple of years. I don't have an answer as to why. I don't know if it's more film, if teams are just figuring out his tendencies, because you can't predict what he's going to do, which is what has made him great. Getting out of the pocket, running around, play is dead. What's going to happen? And before you know it, he's finding Tyreek Hill wide open for 40 yards. 
running out of the pocket, throwing left-handed around the back, through the legs, Travis Kelsey touchdown. Sometimes he does stuff and you have no idea how it's happening, but those same things can get you into loads of trouble, and that's been the story of their season this year. All the, you better watch out, you better not cry, that we've been giving them is coming to fruition this season. His interception rate is preposterous. The offense doesn't have that same spark to where you think they're going to just drop an easy 30 on you every week. Last week, they're playing a garbage team, and you think, well, maybe this will be the time that they're turning things around because Aaron Rodgers is sitting his ass home in quarantine. And Jordan Love certainly ain't hit. We found that out as the game went on. I understand it's his first start, and it's a big stage in Kansas City. It's loud, et cetera, et cetera. Ugly is an easy way to put it. Awful is an even better way to put it. So that's a game where you think they're going to win at least 28-7. And it's coming down to the end of the game, and Mahomes needs one of his theatrical plays and just throw it up and hope. And for once, it was actually completed on a third down to seal the game for the Chiefs, who win 13-7, fueled by two missed field goals, again, from our boy Mason Crosby. Game would have been tied. What an ugly performance, again, from them. And fuck you, Aaron Rodgers, for not being there to win the game in normal fashion, which you would assume he would have. And that's that's the game. Cost his team the game. Simple as that. Defense played very well. Did a terrific job. Uh, look, the Kansas City offensive line is struggling. One thing about Mahomes, there is he does not have time to throw. And when he does have time to throw, it doesn't look like he's ready to throw. You know, I watched some film. I watched some breakdowns from Dan Orlovsky about you know his footwork and you know it, staying in the pocket and missing open guys. And you know, backing out of the pocket and scrambling too early. He said he's got right. the worst footwork in the league, right. Al. The league. Right. Right. And you know, right now, nothing is going well for them offensively. Uh, offensive line is not blocking anybody. And they're really struggling there. They can't run the ball. Mahomes is not nearly as sharp uh, as he has been in the past. And nothing looks clean. Nothing looks like it's in rhythm. With them, And like we talked about, as you said numerous times on this show, the National Football League is doing everything they can to keep Tyreek Hill in front of them. Plain and simple. And not let him get deep down the field. And suddenly we're not seeing the tight end. Uh, Kelsey, who we see constantly, always there, safety valve, down the field, third down, on the goal line, always open. How come nobody can cover him? Not nearly as many opportunities for him. So I, I just, it, it's very hard to figure because the same guys are there. I mean, is, is not Sammy Watkins not being there that important? I'm not saying no, but I just find that surprising. That's got all that. That's the huge effect uh, on why they can't block, on why he can't get clean looks, on why he can't get you know, clean, uh, you know, clean throws off. And find clean windows to throw the ball. Uh, there, nothing looks smooth. Nothing looks like it's coming out the way it did for a couple of years. Whether it's his throws, whether it's his setups, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the routes, uh, everything seems like it is a struggle 
for them. Uh, the running game is not moving at all. Yes, their best running back is out. Looked like the guy they used against the Giants was running the ball well, but they didn't run it well against the Packers at all. Packers have a stout defense. I'm impressed by the Packers' defense. Uh, the Packers might finally have the kind of defense that could get them to and win a Super Bowl, which they haven't had in past years. They look very strong and very physical. They're pushing people around. I like it. And if His Highness comes back uh, and decides uh, you know, he wants to do what he's supposed to do to get himself eligible to play and passes all his tests, uh, regardless of the fact that he is not vaccinated and quote-unquote immunized, which of course is not correct because no one is immune, they to me would be the favorite in the NFC because I think they have the most talent uh, and right now the Ravens, it looks like they're going to call for a hideous defensive pass interference probably in the end zone, which will put them down 13-3 to and basically salt this game away. As young Jalen Waddle goes deep and Marlon Humphrey commits another hideous interference penalty who's had an awful season and getting paid a fortune and he's been beaten like a drum, hasn't tackled well, hasn't covered well, and this is an easy call. That's an just Ravens are going to lose to the Miami Dolphins. And all John Harbaugh can do is shake his head on the sideline. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Pathetic performance by the Ravens. Absolutely pathetic. So that's a perfect example. You never know what you're going to get in this late. Baseball, you know, 162, anybody beat anybody. But the surprising thing is that you are seeing so many quote-unquote good teams play games in which they are awful. Awful. The Bills, the Ravens today, the Cowboys, the Rams against a good team. But just playing terrible football, awful. Looks like they just just woke up and rolled out of bed after being out all night. And that's the way the Ravens are playing tonight. Terrible. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And this has been, to stick with the Chiefs for another hot second, it's been their calling card for the past several seasons and in the postseason where they'll get down by a seemingly insurmountable score, and you think there's no possible way they can do it again, and Patrick Mahomes' magic comes to life in the second half, and before you know it, they've outscored their opponents 35 to nothing, and in the final score, it looks like they had complete control and there was never any doubt. Well, that's not the case this season. There's not these miraculous comebacks, these strong second halves, put the first half behind us type deals. They're struggling to score three touchdowns. And if you listen to this show, you've heard me scream from the rooftops, particularly to Aaron Rodgers when he's in the postseason, that in this league in 2021, you've got to score three touchdowns. That's the base. Anything over that obviously is important, but that's the base. Three touchdowns, you need to do that. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. And the NFL is handing you the keys to the kingdom to be able to do that. They want you to do that. If you cannot, you're not going to win in this league. 
And now that's where the Chiefs are struggling. And you think, well, it's still early in the season. Maybe they'll figure it out. Well, yeah, I guess it's still early. Nine games, though. And one extra. To the Remember, halfway one point. Extra. So you got, one, you got one more to win. Now's the time to figure it out. And you're not going to be playing incredibly daunting teams week after week. You got the Raiders, which we have no idea about. You're going to play them twice. You've got to play the Broncos twice. We don't know about them. Some weeks they look great, like last week. What the hell was that? All of a sudden, you're dropping 30 on the Dallas Cowboys and not giving up any points on defense after you got rid of your best defensive player. (laughs) Of course. You play the Chargers, Justin Herbert, great quarterback, but he's had his ups and downs this season. Who knows the way that game's going to go? Games plural, I should say. You play the Bengals, who looked hot as hell and have looked awful for the past two weeks. And what type of Cowboys team are you going to get when you play them after the Raiders in two weeks? It's so hard to figure it out. You know, people say Dak Prescott's okay. I didn't think he looked good in that game at all. I thought he was looked like he was favoring that that leg to me. Maybe I'm wrong. I am. I'm wrong, and everybody else is right. But you know, he he didn't look like he was moving well at all to me in that game. So. Uh, and they were just, I mean, they, they played like the Ravens are playing tonight. They could do nothing on offense. Uh, he didn't throw the ball well. There, nothing looked clean. It was just a, you know, a, a, a total and complete train wreck. I agree with you about the Cardinals. I think you have to put them as the front runner. I mean, in the back of your mind, you still think, can we really trust this team? Because there are times when Kyler gets out of the pocket and he just kind of throws it up in the air and hopes. And sometimes DeAndre Hopkins is the guy that he happened to just throw it up and hope for, and he's going to come down with the football because he's one of the best wide receivers, if not the best. I vote him the best wide receiver in the National Football League. But there have been times that we've seen them in the past couple seasons put up duds in important games, and you wonder, what happened? Why now? Where's this moment that you guys are supposed to have? But right now, they and the Green Bay Packers went healthy, Because I thought the Packers' defense, as you said, played phenomenal against the Chiefs. Now, they're not the Chiefs of last year, but stopping the run, stopping Mahomes, putting them in the place to win the football game with Jordan Love as their quarterback. They were right there all game long. They gave him all the chances in the world. He didn't take advantage of it. So if their defense is going to be like that, if their defense is there for Aaron Rodgers to not have, as an excuse, which he's used for several seasons as the quarterback of the Packers. Oh, well, the defense wasn't there for him this year. Yeah, poor Aaron Rodgers. Poor Aaron Rodgers. Well, now they have the defense, it appears. So what's the excuse going to be this time around? Once he gets back on the field and stops all this nonsense, he went back on Pat McAfee's show after making an absolute fool out of himself the first time around, kind of backtracked some of the things that he said, Oh, I may have came off like this. I didn't mean to do that. Blah, blah, blah. Pat didn't ask any difficult questions either time. He didn't refute anything that Aaron Rodgers said. Just bend the knee and kiss the ring like we talked about. Ring's a little dusty because it's been 11 years since they won. And people will say, well, if you were in that position, you'd do the exact same thing because it's Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't go on shows. He comes on yours every week. 
you're obviously going to want to keep him around. Yes. But if he's been on your show and he's this deep thinker and wise man that he claims to be, shouldn't he be able to accept some constructive criticism amongst friends, Pat McAfee and his former no. teammate, AJ Hawk? No, he, no, he wouldn't do that. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. Did you see? <laughs> how does it work with AJ Hawk? Does he, uh, does somebody move his mouth and, and before the word for him? Uh, and, and is that somebody else's voice? Because does he ever say anything of note, AJ Hawk? Ever? You mostly just see him having a nice cigar during the show, yeah. which yeah, see him it's, a, a lot. it's a great gig, to be honest with you. You, you see, you see him a lot. Sitting on the show, you have a cigar. You do see him a lot. You do, you, you do see him a lot. Uh, that show was unlistenable and unwatchable, whichever one you want to take at it. So I don't pay much mind to Pat McAfee, uh, you know, whether he's coming off the top rope on wrestling. Uh, you know, I, I actually liked him on game day. I thought that was Pat McAfee's best right there. Okay. You're mixing in with a crowd, talking college football, having fun, uh, not having to worry about too much of what he says, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the validity or the merit of it. Uh, but sports radio talk show host. No, it, it's, Basically, that that's a slot that doesn't get any uh, doesn't get any listening time from yours truly. So you're waiting till three for the dog to come on, is what you're saying. And it was too bad too on Friday. Doggy was off, so you had the 45 minute plus interview with Aaron Rodgers, and you had your generation assuredly pissed off about what was said, or the other way. It, it could go either way with this discussion. And Chris wasn't even in. I was looking forward to what he had to say about it. And he wasn't in to do so. So we had to wait until this past week for people to call in and get him riled up, which they did. It didn't take long. His no, answer is pretty true no, on, on what to do. No, get no, the shot. He could put it on a T-shirt for how many times he's had to say it to people. Get the shot. So that's really all we have in the NFC. Of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's not forget Tom Brady. Yes, but they have looked human at times. I'm not saying father time is catching up with Tom yet. But like all teams this season, there's been a couple games where you've wondered. They've had their moments. They've had their moments. Or lack thereof. They've had their hiccups. Because nobody, look, there's not a great team. There's not a great team out there. You know, the Chiefs, you know, of a couple years ago had the great unstoppable offense. But when it got to the Super Bowl against the Niners, last year they had, the again, the great unstoppable offense, you know, the comebacks. Uh, the the mammoth second halves, but and again in the Super Bowl, the offense did basically nothing. So, and they they've never had in any of those years since they've gone to the AFC Finals and the two Super Bowls anything re- remotely resembling a big time defense. Uh, it was a passable defense, so to speak, last year, but you know they got beaten up on both sides of the ball against Tampa. And you know this year they're getting beaten up on both sides of the ball again. Their offensive line can't block anybody and their defensive line can't stop anybody. So they are clearly not what we've seen them to be uh, after nine games, but they're in a log jam in your division. So there is still time. Uh, there is an extra game this year. There is an extra playoff team. 
So you know, the, the question now becomes, what are we going to see of the Chiefs as we go into the second half of the season? What are we going to see from their quarterback extraordinaire? Headed for the Hall of Fame, the greatest quarterback of all time. How many championships will he win? You know, when I've already said, and I'm the only one who has said, have we seen the best of Patrick Mahomes? And I still think we have. I don't think we'll ever see Patrick Mahomes play as well or be as effective as he was the last couple of years because I don't think it's hard for anybody to be that. You know, it's as simple as that. It's hard for anybody to be that. You can't be incredible all the time you can't be amazing all the time you can't be the best of all time all the time you can be that way for a couple of years but that doesn't make you the best of all time that makes you the best for a couple of years and right now that's where patrick Mahomes is he's the best for a couple of years and he's not now plenty of his career left we'll see what's going to happen the rest of this year at least and thereafter and no, I don't think Patrick Mahomes stinks. No, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is no good. I think Patrick Mahomes is struggling right now. And you don't see the greatest player of all time struggle for this long a time. And that's where he's at. So we'll see. It really is anybody's game for three quarters of the league, it seems like, at this point. Absolutely. So Absolutely. if you're a fan of any of those teams in that large, huge handful, I mean, hey, put the pedal to the metal in the second half and see what happens. The next thing for me will be to see if somehow, some way, the Texans beat what we think is a good team. If the Texans beat what we think is a good team, then nothing is sacred. It's as simple as that. Absolutely nothing is sacred. Right, right now, Lamar can't hit the broadside of a barn. He's having one of those Lamar games, or even where guys are open, he can't find. He just had Hollywood Brown wide open on about an 18-yard out, and his throw wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Will Three quarters more magic. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It was kind of close, but you know, should have been better. Should have to see. It could be by the end of the show. We'll see if there is a Lamar magic. So stay tuned. They need to pull a rabbit out of the hat here. They did hold uh, Miami to a field goal where they had about eight chances inside the five yard. Yeah, not line. great for One the Miles Gaskin they only fantasy got a field goal, owners. But now like here they son. are again uh, after you know, with third and ten again. They just cannot get anything going and running it, throwing it. Doesn't matter what they do. I mean, they have not just dropped back and you know. Th- throwing the ball over the middle. They haven't used any of the young receivers. It's been, uh, it's been a train. They've been getting dominated on the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line is being literally pummeled. And Lamar has not scrambled for much, uh, if at all. And uh, you know this would be a huge win for them because they would have a long week to work with. And they could use it with all the extra football that they've played. And there is a catch. And there is a fumble. And there is a possible touchdown return by the Dolphins, and that's the way it's going to be, a touchdown return on a catch and what I thought was incomplete, but they called it a catch and a fumble at midfield, and it's picked up in return for a touchdown by the Dolphins. Sweet mercy. So you can stick a fork in the Ravens tonight unless they change this and, and rule it incomplete because this game is over. Not great. 
not great. And it has been great the past couple of weeks. I don't think it is a catch by Sammy Watkins. I think it's incomplete, but they call the complete on the field. I don't think he ever had this ball to make a football. It's close. I think it'll stand. And I think it'll be a touchdown for the takes one step, puts the ball away. Very close. I think the call on the field will stand because it's the call on the field. Yikes. So that'll make it 16 to three and you can stick a fork in this game. Awful. Just awful. Embarrassing. That's how these past couple and weeks now, been and going. Now, and, now, and now I'm stuck tied with, of all teams, the freaking Steelers, who stole a game the other night in one of the worst officiated games in modern football history, where, as usual, uh, you know, Corrente's crew just made fools of themselves, and Pittsburgh got the usual calls in their building, which were a joke. An absolute joke. Taking touchdowns away from the Bears, missing, missing rough in the passers call, calling a hideous taunting penalty after what the supposed taunting already took place and the kid's on the way to the sidelines and then his highness hip checks him and then throws the flag. I want an explanation. Why, why didn't you call him when he did, did the, the, swing, the, the swing back kick? Okay, the spinning back kick. Why didn't you call it? When he stared at them. No, you called it after he headed back to his bench and you bumped him. And then you threw the flag. I'm lost. I'm lost. Absolutely lost. It's unconscionable. He should be suspended. Absolutely suspended. One of the worst officiating jobs in history by him and that crew. They should all be suspended, the entire crew. He is a hideous official. Every time I watch his games, they're a joke. And what happened the other night was just a total and complete embarrassment. Total and complete embarrassment to the league. And then try to play it off afterward with whatever explanation he came up with. No explanation is satisfactory. There was no satisfactory explanation. They took a touchdown away from the Bears on a phantom below the place, below the waist block call on Watt, which didn't didn't occur. Then they missed a blatant roughing the passer call where they speared the kid fields in the back, way late, two steps, no call. That cost them a first down and possible touchdown. And then they had that call, which cost them point. It cost them the game, plain and simple. They took points away, and they put points on the board. They took a touchdown away, and minimum gave the Steelers a field goal. It was an absolute, total, and complete rape job against the Bears. But I've watched the Steelers get every call in the book in their building at home forever. Forever. They're the dirtiest birds in the game. They never get called for the personal fouls. They never get called for the cheap shots. And in their building, you touch them, and they get all the calls in the world. 106-year-old Ben Roethlisberger and his wet noodle arm can't throw the ball more than 20 yards. Last year, they were the worst 11-0 team in the history of this sport. This year, they were the worst 5-3 team in the league. How about when he had to run or tried to run? What a sight that was. The scramble. Woo! The... I would say he lost a step. I don't really know what step he had in his prime running days, but they were not those steps that he took when he tried to do a little scramble there. Those days are long past. He's like at the Tom Brady stage now. Just stay in there and don't move, man. Jeepers. Unlike Brady, though, he can't throw. It's true. 
Brady can still rip it. Although the, Roethlisberger's got nothing left. I will say the over eight and a half wins, not looking too shabby. Not looking too shabby after the last couple that they pulled out of their hat. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. We didn't get into this last week, and it's always interesting to me to want to talk about it. I work for the college sports channels on Sirius XM, so it's obviously conversation every week, and we need it to drum up filling in hours and hours of radio. And if you're talking college sports, you have to talk about the college football playoff rankings, which have now been released for two weeks. Tuesday nights, the big show, the television special. This time they tried to throw it in between the two champions, classic basketball games, Kansas, Michigan state, Duke, Kentucky, like basketball fans give a damn about week two college football playoff rankings, but we'll throw them in there anyway. Maybe get a couple more views and clicks this week, Michigan state out after losing. No surprise, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio state jumps in as the fourth team. What had everyone in the tizzy a little one for Cincinnati at five because there's the people of the group of fives in the AAC that want them to get into the top four because they're undefeated, etc. What had the tizzy this week was that the committee basically put their noses up at the fact of head-to-head games mattering at all. One week they'll matter. One one head-to-head game. One week they'll matter. One mattered, one didn't. One week they won't. One mattered this week, one did not. Michigan, Michigan State, as we know, played each other. One team won, one team lost. The team that lost is ranked ahead of the team that won said game. The committee's argument is such that they just think Michigan's a better football team. Okay, (laughs) why didn't they beat Michigan State when they played each other? What are we doing? But this is just another thing that's done to get this television show talked about. That's really all there is to it. Because one of the things that pisses me off about this process is that when things like this are usually done, they'll put the saying of, if the season were to end today, we do that in all of sports where we'll rank teams and we'll put brackets together and we'll put together standings and say, well, if the season ended today, X team would be out. And then you think, well, yeah, it's only the halfway point of the season. This is a fun conversation to have, but we assume they'll write the ship and get in. The committee doesn't put these together with the thought that if the season ended today, these would be the four teams. Now, theoretically, yes. That would be the case, but that's not the prime reason or the number one reason why these rankings are done. Because whenever there's an argument or a discussion, it always ends up becoming, well, X team controls their own destiny and Y team will have this happen if they win out the rest of their games. Everything is a projection to what will happen in the next four to five weeks. 
then why the fuck are we doing these things? If it's just going to be a projection on what you think is going to happen, why is this team eighth when they're undefeated? Well, if they take care of business, win the rest of their games, they'll get into the college football playoff. Okay, but they're eighth now. Isn't this supposed to represent what the college football playoff would be today if the season ended? And they don't take that into consideration. It just is frustrating beyond belief that this is released and promoted and something that they hold to this high standard. And fans of college football every week find several things wrong with it. And they have to trot out poor commissioners and chairs of the college football playoff committee to try and come up with answers every week. They have no idea what the hell to say. They don't know what their answers are going to be. They don't want to be up there. Don't you guys care about head to head? Well, let me flip through my papers and see if anybody wrote down an answer for me to give to you. I don't know. Nobody knows, and we shouldn't care. But as is sports, we do. And it becomes a talking point for four days until Saturday comes. Wash, rinse, repeat, and we do it again. When in reality, as we know, the only one of these that's going to matter is the last one. And all the stuff that was set up until this point will mostly just be hysterical to see what was right and what was wrong and what predictions were made and what rules were invented and why they decided on this or that. None of it's going to matter until the last one. But leading up to that, every week there's something wrong. And if they had just put Michigan State ahead of Michigan, this might have been the first week in a while where I think a lot of people would have said, okay, I can live with this. You know, maybe I'd tweak this or that, but I get it. I see where they're coming from. And they couldn't do it. <laughs> they couldn't do it. And it's another week of frustration with this stupid college football playoff rankings. So we bring well, it up here. The old report is the old report is going to totally beg to differ here. Beautiful. Because you know, people are jumping up and down and they're screaming. Your job is to rate them based upon what you've seen so far, where they are, and what they've done. Well, Oregon is ahead of Ohio State because even though the Pac-12 you don't think is very good and their conference schedule and their wins aren't great, they've got the best win on the board. They went into Ohio State, and they beat Ohio State in their building, and they dominated Ohio State. Dominated. An Iowa State team that they have in the top four. They didn't just beat them. They slapped them around. They rammed the ball down their throat. So that's why Oregon's out of Iowa State, even though they got a bad loss to Stanford. Now, on the other hand, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan's had a tremendous season. They have one loss, and that loss is at Michigan State in a game that they dominated, got screwed by the officials. So you can make the rational that, yeah, we think we're better and they outplayed it for three quarters. And yeah, they lost. They lost. But we think, because of the way they lost, that they're a better team. Now, I can understand people don't like that. Absolutely. But you know, the rationale I have is that we think they're better. They outplayed them in their building the same way Ohio State 
got outplayed in their building by Oregon, and they were getting their heads handed to them, the same way Ohio State got their heads handed to them by Oregon. So because of the fact that they went on the road and got manhandled by Purdue, we are going to bump Michigan out of them. Barely. Not way ahead of them, but ahead of them. I mean, well, they're still ahead of Oklahoma, who's undefeated, and because they've got the win over Michigan. Meanwhile, I think Oklahoma is far superior in terms of, even though their defense is sketchy, uh, you know, to Michigan State. Uh, but that's where we are right now. Michigan State has got you know a terrific win. Oklahoma does not. They've got a win comfort behind over a lot of teams, including Texas. But they haven't played their big game yet in you know, against Oklahoma State, uh, who is in the top 10, which will be, you know, obviously a huge win for whichever team wins it. And if it is Oklahoma, they will wind up eventually in the top four. And if they go undefeated, they will be in the playoffs. The big questions are going to be what's going to happen with Oregon the rest of the way. And Alabama, if and when they play Georgia again, and wind up with two losses, are they out? And the answer is plain and simple, absolutely. A two-loss Alabama team is done. A two-loss SEC team is not going. Will Cincinnati make it? Quite possibly. What's going to happen to Ohio State? What's going to happen to the Big Ten between Ohio State and Michigan playing each other and having to play Michigan State? Uh, and having to play Penn State, what's going to happen to that grouping? Is a one-loss Big Ten team going to get in if it's Michigan or if it's Ohio State? If it's Ohio State, they'll have a very good chance. But they're going to need something to happen to Oregon. And we don't know if that's going to happen or not. The key will be watching what happens in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and what happens with Cincinnati. You're not going to be able to keep both of those undefeated teams out. In fact, I don't feel, I don't think you'll be able to keep either one of them out. If both of those teams bat out and go undefeated, likely for Cincinnati, possible for Oklahoma, they're both going to be in. They're both going to be in. The question is, which throws the big monkey wrench into it, is if Alabama beats Georgia and they both have one loss and you've got undefeated Oklahoma – Undefeated Cincinnati, does that mean that one loss, if they still have one loss, Oregon, and a one-loss Big Ten team are both on the outside looking in? Because Alabama and Georgia will both make it. That's where you've got a real snoot full of issues. And Bedlam will go a long way to having us find out what's going to happen in that scenario. Because Oklahoma State's not getting in with a win over Oklahoma. And, and having one loss. And Oklahoma's not getting in if they have one loss to Oklahoma State. So that is a kill-or-be-killed game for Oklahoma. They have to go undefeated to have any chance. And if they go undefeated, I think they have a real chance. But they still may need a little help. It's going to be very, very tight. But I think if it's Oklahoma and Cincinnati both undefeated, Oklahoma goes over Cincinnati. But then we've got the conundrum of possibly Alabama beating Georgia, which would put us in a scenario where, you know, how do you separate them? How do you separate them? 
Alabama's got their one loss uh, to a good A&M team. Georgia has a great season, and they lose their last game of the year in Alabama. So it really is uh, going to be incredibly interesting. And you know, right now, it's a lot of controversy. It's a lot of upset people from various schools. But I, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm okay with it. I'm much more concerned with the committee doing their job week to week. And I don't have a big problem where everybody is this week because it's based upon what they've done so far. You want to make a stink about Michigan jumping Michigan State? I can understand it. But I can also, as I did before, give you a rationale for why they jumped them. And the rest of it, I'm okay. Everybody is pretty much where they should be based upon who they've played, where they've beaten them, and how they've beaten them. It's interesting, too, and a little humorous that this season kind of being pegged as one that's going to have a lot of parody because of they're not being a great, amazing team aside from Georgia. And even that we obviously know about their defense, but who knows? Maybe the offense will lay an egg one game and that'll be what does them in. There's still going to be, or at least currently as of these past rankings, there's still the familiar names in the top four. A couple of them just haven't been there before. You know, Oregon's one of the OGs. But well, Ohio we don't State have to deal is, with Clemson. For, we don't have to deal with Clemson. No Clemson. They're done. The ACC's done. They're not getting in. Yes, correct. So there's that. Yes. I, that, I think, is really just going to be that part of the parody is the ACC won't be in there. There won't be any Clemson. Because if Oklahoma wins out, as you said, they're in. They're back. We've seen them before. They've had their rodeo. And it, then it would just come down to the third team. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Ohio State again? Oh, they're back. Alabama, they're back. Georgia, okay. We'll see. Play the games. That's all you can do. I think what everybody would like to see that's not in the SEC, I think everybody would like to see Alabama lose to Georgia. Get knocked out, yeah. Get knocked out. See ya. Have Georgia be your undisputed number one. Yep, make it easy. And then let the chips fall where they may. Right. I think if there's at least just the one, people will be okay with that. And be like, all right, yeah, it was Georgia all along. They're number one to start. They were the best from the start of the season. That win against Clemson at the time, people thought Clemson would be the Clemson of old. We've learned that they're not. But it was a great win to start the season, and they've just kept it going. If there's at least one team you can hang your hat on, I think that'll make people happy. Because if it's chaos throughout, that's when you start getting arguments for everything. We'll see. I mean, Georgia, we talked about them far too much on this show when it comes time for the college football playoff and what they need to do. Maybe this will be it. Now that Atlanta broke the baseball curse, maybe it'll trickle over into college football. Those fans of Atlanta wouldn't mind that. Speaking of baseball and curses, real quick, I just wanted to give folks an update, if you have one, on what the latest is with these lockout rumors with articles getting written from Scott Boris saying the world series is because of tanking. That's why the Braves won. What's going to happen with these different proposals. There was an article that said there's just going to be like two months of pain for major league baseball. Should we be hiding under the desks yet? Or can we still wait a while 
I mean, they're announcing these end of season awards just willy nilly on random nights, you know, just throwing them out. I get an alert on my phone. Somebody's won the silver slugger. Somebody's this for the MVP, the gold glove. They're just throwing awards out now. You don't know they're coming, which is typical baseball fashion, but that's kind of breaking up these gloom and doom articles. Should we hide under the desk yet? Or can we wait a couple more weeks before this feeling of everything crumbling to the ground actually is going to start happening for major league baseball. Cause I'm frightened. There's a lot of articles coming out now where it's like, okay, maybe we have to pay attention to this whole lockout thing. Yes. You have to pay attention to it. If you want to be aware of what's going on because you know, the sides are talking, but the offers uh, are, are not getting you know a response for us to hear, which is, you know, I don't really need to see the offers in public. That's the thing that bothers me. I would just like them to go ahead and do their stuff and do it between them and stop with the leaks and just work on getting an agreement hand, hammered out. And you know, I, I don't need to hear about it. You know, I don't need to know the terms that are being discussed. I just need to know they're working. And do it in good faith and realize that the well-being of the game is on your doorstep. The well-being of the game is in your hands. Ravens cut it to within five. We better get out of here so Al can watch the end of the game. But from what I'm hearing and reading, do be prepared to hide under your bed <laughs> and hope that somehow, some way, they can hammer out a new collective bargaining agreement. For everybody's best interest. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. He's the new report. I'm the old report. We're the best damn sports podcast anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Until next week, have a great sports week. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.